What a person says is important. But what a person actually means when he says what he says is even more important. For example, we've all said, I believe in the Holy Spirit. We've said it at Mass. We say it at every Sunday Mass in the Nicene Creed. We've said it at baptisms. We've probably said it in private prayer as well. But the simple fact that we've said the words does not tell the whole story. The real question is, when I say I believe in the Holy Spirit, what do I mean? What do I personally mean? It could mean any number of things. For example, I could mean that I believe in the Holy Spirit in the same way that I believe in George Washington. Do I believe that George Washington existed? Certainly. In that sense, I can say that I believe in him. But did I ever meet George Washington? No. I know I'm old, but I'm not that old. I believe in George Washington because I've read about him in history books. History books that were written by reputable historians, not because I've had any personal contact with the man. Well, some Christians, I think, believe in the Holy Spirit in the very same way. They believe in him because they've read about him in the Bible or some other book. They've had no conscious personal experience of him and his power. That's sad. That's tragic. It's especially tragic when you ask confirmation candidates the question, who is the Holy Spirit, and they look at you like you have three heads. You'd fare better asking them, who is George Washington? Hopefully they'd tell you he was the first president of the United States and not tell you that he was an 18th century privileged white male. Nowadays you never know. This brings us to the second possibility. When I say I believe in the Holy Spirit, I might mean that I believe in him in the same way that I believe in our Holy Father, Pope Francis. George Washington is dead and obviously out of office, but Pope Francis is very much alive and in office at the present time. And since that's the case, he, unlike George Washington, does affect my life each and every day, especially as a Catholic. This means I've had a personal experience of the man, at least on some level. I see him on television, I've heard him on radio, I've read some of his writings. But my personal experience of him is fairly remote. And why is that? Well, it's simply because I've never met him. I haven't had the privilege. I'm not one of his close friends. I don't have a strong relationship with him on the personal level. And I get the sense that this is the way it is for many people when it comes to the Holy Spirit. They know he exists. They know he has something to do with faith, hope, and love, and a lot of other good things. They know they've received him in baptism and confirmation. That's about as far as it goes. When all is said and done, their relationship with the Spirit is rather remote at best. And then we have the ideal, saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and meaning that I believe in Him like I believe in my best friend. I believe in my best friend not because I've read about him in a book, not because I've heard him on the radio or seen him on television. My belief in my best friend is rooted in a direct personal experience a direct personal experience that I'm conscious of, that I'm aware of. This is where our belief in the Holy Spirit is supposed to be rooted. And that's where it can be rooted in the future, in the lives of all of us, regardless what our, of what our past relationship with the Spirit has been like. 
Now, if you need some inspiration in this regard, think about the change that took place in Peter, James, John, and the other apostles. Remember, on the night before Jesus died, our Lord gave them a long talk. And in that he talk, he mentioned the Spirit a number of times. You can read it in John chapters 14 through 17. Jesus said to them, I will send you the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the consoler, the Spirit of truth. He will guide you to all truth. He will bear witness to me. He will help you to bear witness to me. And on and on Jesus spoke. Now if you had said to these men a few days later, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I'm sure they would have said yes. But it would not have been the same kind of yes they would have given you on Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter. Before Pentecost it would have been, oh yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit, because Jesus talked about him at the Last Supper. But yes, we believe in the Spirit, in the Spirit because Jesus rose from the dead, and we think the Spirit had something to do with that. We're not sure, but we think so. And that he also had to do with some of the miracles and wonders Jesus performed during his ministry. But after Pentecost, the answer would have been different, qualitatively different. It would have been, yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit, because we become aware of his presence and have experienced his power personally. He's touched our lives. After the Spirit descended on the apostles in the upper room, we're told that Peter, who in fear had denied Jesus three times on Holy Thursday night, we're told that Peter went out into the streets of Jerusalem and proclaimed the gospel boldly, courageously, definitively to the crowd gathered there. And he made 3,000 converts in the process. That's amazing for one day of preaching. I can just imagine what the conversation was like with the apostles going home that day. Peter probably said, I can't believe I did that. Thomas probably jumped in and said, well, neither can I, Peter. And John probably added, this is amazing, it's true. It's just like Jesus said it would be. As Catholic Christians, we should want to be able to say those words, I believe in the Holy Spirit, with the same fire and conviction and faith that the apostles had in their hearts after Pentecost. The same fire that enabled Peter to proclaim the faith boldly and joyfully. And chances are we will, if we, like the apostles, have a direct experience of the Holy Spirit that we are conscious of. Now let me clarify the point here. This does not mean that we all need to have an experience exactly like the apostles had in the upper room. But it does mean that we need to become conscious of the Spirit's work in our lives, like the apostles became conscious of the Spirit's work in their lives at Pentecost and afterward. For example, if you've been deeply offended by another person, and you've prayed for the grace to forgive, and you have forgiven the person. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you, whether you realize it or not. If you're seriously tempted to commit a sin, and you pray for help, and you end up saying no to the temptation, that's the work of the Spirit in you. If you give in to the temptation, then feel sorry, go and confess your sin in the confessional, that too is a work of the Holy Spirit. If you're in a conversation with a co-worker and he begins to slander the church, and you step out in faith and defend the truth, 
That's another work of the Spirit in you. Remember, one of the gifts of the Spirit is fortitude, courage. Someone comes to you for guidance. You give them good advice after some thought and some prayer. That, too, is a work of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the fact of the matter is most of us, if not all of us, have had direct experiences like this of the Spirit in our lives, although in the past we might not have been conscious of the Spirit's involvement in those experiences. But hopefully after this homily we will be, so that if in the future someone asks us, do you believe in the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to answer like Simon Peter would have answered after Pentecost. You bet I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in him with all my heart, because I have experienced his power personally. I've become deeply aware, deeply conscious of his presence in my life.